Welcome to this episode of Law Girl. I'm Jasmine Dea coming to you from my personal injury law firm, Jasmine Dea & Company, located in Midtown Toronto. Joining me today is Joseph Berliofsky, a lawyer at Diamond & Diamond. He practices in the area of real estate. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you very much. Joseph, before we actually delve into the questions I have prepared for you today, I want to know why you decided to go to law school. Well, I was actually uh, a social worker before I became a lawyer, um, and uh, there was a great program at McGill where I can do both. So I thought, hey, why not? But uh, my, my dream was actually never to be a lawyer. It just sort of fit. So what did your family say when you said, forget social worker, I want to be a lawyer? See how it goes. So they were supportive? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, it's a good base degree no matter what you end up doing. Um, and I, I'm just lucky that I ended up fitting into law. You know, there's um, so many different career paths you can take um, and you never know which one's going to work for you. You are practicing in the area of real estate did you choose this area or did it choose you? 100% chose me. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm from Montreal and, and when I moved to Toronto, um, I didn't know what I was going to do, where I was going to work. Um, and I, was, I had an idea to run a law firm um, and I found a, a, an older lawyer who wanted to retire in the next few years. And um, his name was David Ball, is David Ball. Um, and, uh, and something about it just clicked and I started working with him um, and uh, you know the rest is history. David's still with me five, six years later. What made you move from Montreal to Toronto? Was it love? <laughs> no, that's a whole other, uh, whole other story but um, suffice to say that there's just more opportunity here in Toronto um, and uh, you know I love Quebec, I love Montreal but um, Toronto is an easier place to be a lawyer, let's just say. How's your French? C'est pas pire. Okay, I'll take that as not bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not uh, test me on my French. I can get by. I can say a few things. My, uh, my law society uh, profile says I speak French, so, so I'll, I'll take French clients. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But can you speak to them? Uh, yeah, no, no, for sure. For sure. So here's a tidbit that a lot of people don't know. My husband is from Montreal. There you go. you didn't know that. <laughs> His French is worse than mine, though. I don't know what happened to him. Um, anyway, so real estate sort of shows you, you fell into it. What do you do day to day as a lawyer in real estate? I mean, people know about the fact that they need a real estate lawyer when they buy or sell a condo, for example. But what do you do from day to day? I call it moving the sludge. You know, a real estate transaction, you know, you're buying a house, selling a house, refinancing. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of different um, people you have to interact with. Um, and just getting what needs to get done uh, effectively is is really the day-to-day -day. you know uh, for sure you get the law stuff uh, legal advice to the clients about certain situations you know reviewing title uh, contracts writing contracts all that kind of stuff but you know after the first few years of practice you kind of pick up pretty much the most important stuff um, and as you go down the road you get better and better um, but day-to-day -day, the challenge is that uh, where are the keys they have to be in my office on time for the client to get into their house you know the client is in a moving truck and uh, the other lawyer is not picking up the phone. That's a lot of the day-to-day -day of a real estate lawyer. 
I actually had a purchase where of a home of for my family, and that same situation happened where my husband was with the movers and calling me saying, "Do we have the keys yet?" And we could not figure out what was going on because the lawyers were not communicating with us as the purchaser, and we found out that the broker who'd arranged the financing hadn't done something with the bank and it ended up being almost disastrous because we had sold our house on the same day also. So there's someone waiting to move into our house. We had taken all the stuff out of our house and put it on a moving truck and we had nowhere to go. <laughs> you, you could come up with a hundred examples, you know, uh, chains of buy and sell uh, sales that, that uh, are endless, uh, bankers, brokers that are sitting on their hands, not uh, sending over financing, um, even sometimes, you know, as simple as a wire uh, and a fax that's sitting on a fax machine somewhere that somebody didn't see at, at the branch, you know, that any of those things can happen on a deal and slow it down or stop it. Um, and, and it keeps going after closing too. You know, there's uh, people are supposed to discharge their mortgages, you know, other lawyers, and you have a, we have a whole system on uh, making sure that that happens. But if they don't pick up the phone, they don't answer your letters, you know, it's hard to move the sludge. So you don't just do residential real estate. You do other things. Can you explain in simple terms for the average person, what is this other stuff you do? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's uh, other than the purchases and the sales, which is the stuff that most people would see me do, we do a lot of what we call secured lending. So acting for people lending money, um, you know, uh, you, most people would see it as uh, getting money from a bank, but there's a whole world of, of other financing that happens that's secured on real estate. That's not just from banks, it's from private individuals, mutual fund trusts, mortgage investment companies, um, even private companies. And without getting too complicated, making sure that you know the, the security, the mortgage that you see on title is actually valid. Um, that's probably the, the more sophisticated work that we end up having to do. I have seen a lot of clerks do work on real estate transactions. How much is a lawyer really doing? Uh, so quite a bit, um, you know, apart from meeting the clients, which, uh, you know, uh, we do and, and a lot of lawyers in real estate do, um, and giving legal advice throughout the process, there's looking at title um, and, and understanding the title to a property and, you know, what's important, what isn't important, what needs to, you know, come off title, get fixed on title, change about it. That That's always a very uh, major part of the process. Um, and along that is uh, along the lines of that is also you know letters back and forth with the lawyer on the other side of a transaction, um, and how you phrase a letter is very important um, in what we do because if something goes wrong, um, those letters what's in them is uh, it's very particular about how you how you write it out. Uh, it will have a very big effect on on any lawsuit that would come after it. So. There's a lot of technical things that we end up having to get involved with. Um, it's at least an hour or two of a lawyer's time on every transaction. Pre-COVID, we'll talk about post-COVID in a sec. Well, I don't know if we're post, 
we're kind of during COVID, but pre-COVID, what did your day look like? Are you just going to your office every day or do you go to other places? Like for me, for example, pre-COVID, I was everywhere but my office. And when I would be in my office, I was so excited to be here because I could actually catch up on my work. But I was at courts and court reporters offices all over Ontario. What what was your day-to-day life like work-wise before COVID? So I'm, I'm a particular situation, so I'm going to answer twice. Okay. Um, before, when my firm was smaller, I was chained to my desk making sure deals went through. So, uh, you know, when it was just me or me and another lawyer um, trying to close all of our deals, um, it, it was so much is dependent on the lawyer. You know, like I said, title, registering issues, whatever, meeting clients. Um as my firm grew, uh, we added more and more lawyers. So now we're 12 lawyers in the practice. Um, and, um, you know, pre-COVID, let's say, my day-to-day is really make supervising. You know, uh, I don't necessarily deal with every issue as it comes up. There's other lawyers that now do it. When it bubbles up to me, it's usually a more serious issue. Um, this is good to know. So next time I'm doing something with your firm, I'll just call you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to deal with everyone else, right? That's what you're telling me. That's it. You okay, got it. Okay, good. Good to know. Yeah. Um, so day to day, it's it's uh, it's answering you know questions. Um, I, we like to joke that uh, you know me and my partner are like a call center. We just you know yes, no, do this, do that. That's pretty much what the day to day is. And now that we are in COVID, things have changed a little bit more. Are you working remotely? Or are you in the office? I am. I am uh, working remotely. The you know our our firm and and the way we do real estate just because real estate is kind of local uh, we already had a few different local offices for real estate and our clerks were spread out our, our staff was spread out like our our group of staff is about 50 in my department and some are at home some are in New Brunswick some are in uh, you know Toronto some are in Oakville so were they already working remotely pre-COVID so yes exactly um, more now uh, we sent a lot of people home and uh, but uh, but not a lot of changed because of COVID. Uh, our systems were like our, our, we like to think our bullpen is a virtual bullpen, you know, all the communication is, is like through chats and uh, phone calls. And um, I guess the, the biggest difference in the day to day is instead of clients coming into the local office, we're doing all the meetings remotely through like a virtual signing office. And now that's allowed. Allowed, uh, encouraged, way better. <laughs> yeah, I don't see us going back when it comes to signing because why does someone need to come in from wherever um, at a very stressful point in their life, usually when they're buying or selling, come to their lawyer's office to sign a few things that takes a few minutes when this can all be done virtually? Like, I don't see us going back to in person for some of those signings. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think some people... Um, I don't want to say in a different generation, but, you know, maybe... But yes, you are saying in a different generation. (laughs) Like, yeah, like to come in and and see the the person they're dealing with. And see the paper, right? Exactly. Yeah, I understand. And, you know, there's there's certain things that get lost when you're not having that in-person contact. I really believe that you... You create more of a relationship when it is in-person contact that is not replaced by a virtual platform. But I think for convenience and efficiency, that the virtual platform can be helpful. So 
Um, my partner has a very different uh, idea than you. He thinks that when you're doing the signing uh, or you're meeting your client in their living room, they're much more relaxed and more open to asking questions. And less, well, that's true. Less of an intimidating environment. That's you know? true because you're right. There is a lot of people that have anxiety about meeting a lawyer. Mm -hmm. It can be intimidating for some people. They haven't met me yet. When they meet me, they realize there is nothing to worry about, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and so part of the meetings uh, in person is, is you know calming people down, you know, encouraging them to ask questions, whereas if they're in their living room, um, they feel more comfortable. Their kitchen table, you know, is, is where the closing is happening. It's a little bit more comfortable for people. So tell us about a crazy story, something in your real estate law worlds that would make us think, whoa, did that really happen? I, I probably should have prepared for this question. You mean you didn't prepare for my podcast? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> you know what? I saw the question. Uh, I, I did, and I, I thought I'd have to think of an example, and I didn't. Um, but uh, off the top of my head, recently somebody actually uh, stole a kitchen island. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, like, wasn't it kind of secured like yeah. how do you steal a kitchen island yeah you know we did the closing the the, the client moved in um, and we get a letter it was a pre-construction so the builder's lawyer sends me a letter out of the blue uh, saying you know you know we were recently looking for an island and uh, we found it in your client's condo um, please have her put it back um, and uh, you know the letter went on um, just uh, explaining that when when they confronted the client about it that um you know she she denied it and then when they went into her unit the island was gone um and uh i, I thought how do you steal a kitchen island and then how do you take it out of your and this apartment? was your client <laughs> yeah and what did you well you can't breach solicitor client privilege obviously but i mean what was the outcome I mean, I guess, I guess in her defense, all the islands in the building were the same, um, I think, uh, or similar. Uh, so maybe she thought, what was the harm? Um, but, you know, some people get upgraded islands and things like that. Uh, so we, we, we told her to put it back. Did she? Uh, it, it was found, <laughs> <laughs> but not in its proper location uh, or in her apartment. And then did you help to get it back? Uh, I, no, I, I didn't have to arrange movers or anything. Um, I don't know what kind of condition it was in when it was found. I see. I think, so, I think there's a new island in that apartment. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> that's good to know. But, I, I mean, I'm sure that you hear a lot of interesting stories like the island story. Is that fair to say? You can't even imagine. So we, we do a lot of files. Maybe it's six or 700 a month. Um, That's through your firm. Yeah. And we see everything. Anything that you could think of that could possibly go wrong or that that is out of the ordinary, we've seen it. So yeah, we, we get a lot of uh, interesting it makes stories. Some, makes for some good cocktail stories, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I have to be better about um, making a mental note to remember them, though. Uh, it would make for better interviews. Just tell me. I'll remember them for you, and I will talk about them at cocktail parties. How about that? Sounds good. So you have an interesting situation that I think some of our listeners would be um, curious to understand, and maybe they could learn from it. So you basically had your name on the wall. You had a firm that you were a partner at. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It was and my firm only. Oh, okay. So it was your firm. So you go from your firm to join a large firm. And that is a 
little different than the norm. Oftentimes, you see people leaving a big firm to start their own. So you kind of went a little bit backwards. There's nothing wrong in that. But I'm curious to know why you decided to do that. So first of all, um, you know, we have a lot of autonomy um, to run our practice. We're the only real estate division at Diamond and Diamond. Um, and and um, so not a lot's changed in terms of my ability to run my practice. That was very important to me because we practice in a particular way and we want to continue to do so, you know, kind of like like we were talking about before, uh, you see a lot of clerks in transactions. We make a point to have a lot of lawyers in our transactions, and we didn't want that to change. We had no vision of being a, you know, a sweatshop uh, with a bunch of clerks pumping out real estate files. We want to have lawyers involved and, and, and do the work. So once, once Diamond and Diamond said, you do what you want uh, and, uh, and come, come over to us, um, the, the main reason I was interested was it, it gave me the opportunity to do what I do, which is which is the operation and practice of running uh, real estate transactions um, and not getting bogged down with rent uh, or, or um, accounting. The office management aspect. Yeah, yeah. So it took that off your plate and you could be a lawyer again. There was that. And um, there's a lot of advantage of being in a larger firm. You know, there's a lot of when 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 there's only one person in charge you don't have time to focus on certain things or you have to focus on certain things that you don't have time to focus on um and uh you know when you're bigger you get an accounting department and and things are just more smooth you get more people to help with banking so you have um, access to more resources 100% given that diamond and diamond is traditionally known as a personal injury firm and you moved in with real estate, how has that been in terms of transition? Um, you know, everyone wouldn't put it together, um, but personal injury and real estate are very similar for a few reasons. First of all, personal injury is more specific fees, like it's not hourly billings, right? Contingency, Contingency fees. fees. Yeah. So the culture of billing hourly is is not has nothing to do with you know, personal injury, uh, same thing with real estate. It's all block fees, right? It's all uh, a set fee for a purchase sale or whatever. Um, so the culture in that way worked very well. And again, with the with lawyers being involved, you know, personal injury is very lawyer heavy. You know, there's a lawyer who has to do a lot of the work, but there's clerks that support the lawyer. Um, it's very similar with, with real estate. So it fit very well from a cultural perspective. And, you know, I, I, I like to think that um, we're changing the image a little bit. Diamond Diamond is becoming more full service. We're certainly the largest real estate law firm in the country that does residential transactions. And, uh, you know, I don't know, hopefully uh, it won't be known as just a personal injury firm for much longer. Good. Happy to hear that there's strides being made at your firm. What do you foresee for your area of practice post-COVID? Because there will be a post-COVID. I believe. I don't think this is the end of the world. So what do you think is going to work? What do you think is here to stay? What changes do you see for real estate? So we definitely sped up our, our national kind of expansion for real estate. With virtual offices, um, there's no reason why we can't be in more places um, and why, you know, a small town with a few thousand people can't take advantage of a big firm's, you know, resources uh, and experience in closing transactions. There's no reason for them to rely on a local lawyer who has very little experience in real estate. So that's going to be a big push for us over the next uh, couple of years. 
post post COVID. I mean, that's definitely what's changed. You know, the the ability to do that virtually uh, big difference now. Do you have any regrets about being in real estate? No, not at all. Have you dabbled in personal injury yet? Not at all. <laughs> no, you just keep it separate. No personal injury people near you. Oh, I, if I had to stand up in a courtroom, it would not. Uh, it would not go very well. Why? <laughs> I, I like meetings. You know, I like at <laughs> my desk. Really, because I'm missing being in court so badly. <laughs> really? Yes, I like being heard. No, give me a pen and a letter, uh, or uh, or a phone to call the other lawyer. That's that's no problem. So you and I would work really well together because we would balance each other out. You need you need both, right? I mean, that's uh, that's diamond diamond, right? There's there's. Uh, I was talking about me. And, uh, <laughs> How did we get to diamond and diamond? <laughs> you just took it right back to your firm. Well, you know. Uh, Self-promotion. Loyalty. Okay, fine. Got it. Well, on that note, thank you, Joseph, so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. 